0: This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. And a
1: happy Friday to you all. Kenny Ducey, Nick Legerfo here at WFUV, bringing you NFL Friday, and Julian Adienza helping out on the other side of the glass, and Nick Let's lead it off here for all the folks back home. And Thursday night football might have been a little distracted watching baseball, but that's okay because we got it. And, hey, the Titans beat the Steelers. And-, and, Nick, over the past 20 years, the Steelers have had a losing record after five games only five times. And you have to go back to 2002 uh, when they actually rebounded and made the playoffs. So they are in deep trouble.
2: Well, I tell you, Kenny, it really is surprising to see Pittsburgh 2-3 and three on the year after five games. They did have their bye week, so... They're 2 and 3 losing last night's game only by 3 points on the last second of the game but to the Titans, come on Pittsburgh, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, and not even with Jake, Matt Hasselbeck, not even that good, 25 of 44, 290 yards. So I guess a decent game filling in for Jake Locker and Jake Locker is still hurting with that left shoulder injury. They have to hope they can get it back sometime because honestly, from my standpoint, I really think Jake Locker can be a difference, difference maker on this team but talk about difference maker usually synonymous with Chris Johnson he had 91 yards on 19 carries like so that how, how surprised were you cuz i could not believe my eyes when i
2: saw that well in fantasy if you if you had chris johnson he's been laying an egg this year obviously but you know it's good to see him getting back on track he didn't have a touchdown but 91 yards not too shabby you know tennessee is really going to need him to get on track this year if they have any hope in uh, competing in that division with houston so anyway nick we'll we'll continue with, a little bit with this talk
1: we'll go to giants the jets and then wrap it up with some general NFL and some fantasy, and, of course, our predictions, so we can't wait to get to that. But if you're wondering where these voices are coming from, we, I guess, are the replacement hosts, per se. Uh, uh, Mac and uh, Mike are out in Ohio, going to call the Fordham game tomorrow night against Cincy, so you're not going to want to miss that. We'll bring it to you here on 90.7. But back to this Steelers and Titans talk right here, um, I-, I personally think that the Steelers are are hurting right now. And when you have Rashard Mendenhall at running back, who I don't necessarily mind that much, uh, I don't know if they can get it done. I just think that they don't look like the same Steelers team right now. I mean, you usually see Ben Roethlisberger taking over games, and I thought last night he throws that 82-yard touchdown pass to Mike Wallace, and I thought, man, they're on the right track. And all of a sudden they fall apart and I don't understand what's happening. And it's even maybe even the defense is letting up too Uh, many points.
2: Yeah, that is that is the thing that scares me most about Pittsburgh. I mean, fundamentally a defensive sound football team, and that has been the staple in their franchise as a defensively sound team. And this is the second game this season. They lost in Oakland on a last second field goal as well. So, you know, last night the way they lose that game to allow Tennessee to come all the way back and win that game. That that's just sad. And twenty eighth in rushing yards, Nick. And and so, I think
1: that rushing probably is their bigger problem. But you 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 mentioned it there. Their defense. You just can't be letting up twenty six points to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, they're two and four now. I'm not sure that you really uh, you really expect this loss if you're a Steelers fan. But nonetheless, going forward, uh, after this Tennessee loss, you got Cincy, Washington. So I think those are two winnable games there. Very, they could rebound. Very winnable. But then you got winnable. the Giants. Kansas City, again, kind of a joke, I, I would say. But Baltimore, twice. Uh, week 11 and Week 13. So it could get ugly real quickly for the for the Steelers. And if you lose games like this to the Titans, it's not going to be good. It's not going to help you at all. Roethlisberger needs to step it up. And their running game, really, they need to find something. Because Mendenhall last year was, he was good. And he's not that same Mendenhall. It's not the same guy you can rely on. But, again, they're plagued with injuries. Isaac Redman... Uh, only five five carries for 14 yards last night. Batch had 10 carries for 22 yards and a score, so maybe they'll look to him. But um, I I don't know where where the Steelers are going here. But ALC, AL, I mean A F C Central uh or North rather, not Central. I'm talking baseball yeah, talk baseball. here. I I mean I have to give it to the Ravens at this point. It's early in the season, but I have to.
2: Well, I mean Pittsburgh has kind of dug themselves an early hole here. Two and three in first five games of the season. Baltimore is one and four, and you know you're going to play baltimore later on in the year are you going to win both of those games probably not even if you play well you probably split in best case scenario so even with that situation they they don't win the afc north the afc this year is is a different beast it's not the same the same afc where you would have the patriots or you know even pittsburgh would run away with it uh, there's a lot more competitive teams in the league this year. There's a lot more parity. We see the Texans come out of it. They they look like a juggernaut right now. Baltimore, like we said, they're in it. It's so there's so yeah. yeah. There's so many teams that can be competitive, and you really have to win the games that you're supposed to win. They were supposed to win last night. They were supposed to win in Oakland. They didn't do that. Now they're in a hole here.
1: Yeah, and Mendenhall and Redmond banged up in that game. Rainey is going to be the the next on the depth chart. And, hey, I was talking about 10 years ago when that was the last time they came back from a start like this. Cordell Stewart was replaced by Tommy (laughs) Maddox. So I don't know if Byron Leftwich is going to be coming anytime soon. But, hey, I I mean, I don't know what they need. They need some sort of spark here because they uh, are are in need of something uh, to help them get forward. But, Nick, I think it's about time we start talking about those Giants. And we'll throw it over to Eric Mala. It's not often
3: that we hear the phrase, must win, in early October. But we're in New York, so maybe we do. But the Giants needed to snatch a win over the Cleveland Browns this past Sunday, and they did just that. Ahmad Bradshaw torched the Cleveland defense for 200 rushing yards, and Eli Manning and Victor Cruz showed off their chemistry. But the Giants have a tougher task this weekend when they head out to the Bay Area to take on the 49ers.
0: We look forward to a, a great challenge this week, playing the San Francisco 49ers, a very good football team, ranked in many, many categories uh, throughout the league, both offense, defense, and special teams. They're a very good team. They're 4-1 and, one and uh, deservedly so.
3: San Francisco was one muff pun away from a Super Bowl appearance last season and were looking for payback after this past winter's NFC Championship game when the Giants knocked them out of the playoffs. The defense is still one of the league's best, and they have the best rushing offense in football. Not to mention one of the league's most dangerous special teams units. They're one of the most well-rounded teams in the NFL. But the Giants have two key issues that need to be addressed before this Sunday. Their injuries and their pass rush. It looks like wide receiver Hakeem Nicks is going to try and give it a go after suffering a knee injury in Week 2. And linebacker Keith Rivers is expected to do the same. A major concern, however is that no one knows where the Giants' pass rush is gone. Justin Tuck, Ossie Umanura, and Jason Pierre-Paul have combined for just three and a half sacks this season, and they can't seem to figure it out. That needs to improve fast. My prediction? Eli Manning will lead the Giants to a 28-24 victory at Candlestick, But he needs some help from his D-line to make it happen. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV
1: Sports. And thank you for that, Eric. They they really do. They really do need some help on that pass rush. They're 22nd in the league in opponent passing yards, letting them up 261.4 per game, at Nick. And you look at this secondary, it's banged up. Michael Boley is their leader in interceptions. I mean, <laughs> that should tell it to you right there.
2: Well, I think in their secondary they have, what, a fourth-string cornerback in there, yeah, Michael Coe? Yeah. I mean, he was on the practice squad earlier in the year. I remember first game; they he didn't even know if he was going to dress it, for the game.
1: It's at the point where when Michael Coe, I think he got hurt early on in the year, and people held their breath. And that's a four-string quarterback, you're, or cornerback. You're holding your breath over. Yeah. So I think that's it's very interesting. But you talk about this pass rush; it's gonna it's gonna need to be there against Alex Smith because we saw what he could do with time against Buffalo. And look, he, he's just. He's not a good quarterback when he's flustered. He showed that to you in the NFC Championship game last year against the Giants because they got after him. They stopped that run, too, with Frank Gore, and Frank Gore is on a roll right now, and he's going to be the key to this game, I'm saying. Th- I mean, I really think these Giants need to crack down and improve their defense. Even rushing attack, opponents are averaging over 111 yards per game. Well, so they need to improve their defense.
2: That's one thing I think the Giants consistently throughout the years have never really had a good secondary. The thing that has saved them is their pass rush. I mean, they'll even tell you that. And, uh, you know, the fact that the Giants have three sacks this year when rushing four or fewer, that that's absurd. That's, that's unreal for a Giants team. With that defensive line, the amount of talent that they have there, Jason Pierre-Paul only having one this year. I mean, last year at this time they had 34 sacks. And Jason Pierre-Paul had 11 and a half. So I mean there's a huge difference here and they need to step up. Yeah.
1: And the Niners have outscored their last two opponents by a score of 79 to 3. 621 yards. They're the top rushing def- uh, top rushing offense in the league, almost 200 yards. Frank Gore's got 200-yard 200-yard games and uh and four touchdowns Kendall Hunter's averaging 5.4. This is an offensive juggernaut we're talking well, about here to, with the Niners.
2: To be fair, Kenny, they did play the Jets and the Bills. Two of the Jets, hey,
1: the Jets have one of the they're, okay, they're a terrible rush defense, I but mean, passing wise, they're a, a good pass, they're the fifth best pass. Uh, defense I'm talking in the about
2: in terms of San Francisco's offense playing against the Jets and the, the Bills, and then conversely, their defense. I mean, the Jets' offense is not, is not as close to the Giants' offense, no, but I'm talking about and defenses Bills, here. Oh, we're talking about be- defenses, okay.
1: But nonetheless, I mean, the Jets' defense is awful. It's stopping the run, but pass-wise, they're they're all right. But still, I mean, second in passing yards, first in rushing yards. uh, Or, excuse me, uh, that's second in opposing passing yards. But the 49ers managed to get it done all around the board. And, hey, I mean, they beat Detroit. They beat Green Bay. And... Look, the records aren't going to show, and we'll talk about this a little later, how good Detroit and Green Bay are. They're still good teams. They went into Lambeau opening night and beat the Packers. You can't at all discredit this team because it's not their fault they had to play New York and Buffalo. And going forward, they play Seattle and Arizona, and those might be some tests for them. But I think they get them done after New York. And if they can beat New York, look at what you have here. You have one loss and and eight wins. And, I I mean, that's going to prove to you, I think, that this team
2: is for real. Well, I mean, if you for the Giants' perspective, if you're looking at the one loss that San Francisco has that came against the Minnesota Vikings, if you look at the formula for the Vikings' defense, it's pass rush, Jared Allen getting after Alex Smith, flustering him in the pocket. You're not letting Frank Gore get the edge, and that that that's the type of things that the Giants' defense needs to do this week in order for them to be successful. And I I agree that San Francisco has played well. And this is going to be a big test for them this week, I think. The Giants are going to put up a good test.
1: And another storyline to watch, Brandon Jacobs and Mario Manningham are going to be playing against their former mates, and... Uh, you, you know, you even saw some, some talk back and forth about the the salsa dance and Carlos Rogers is not going to do it because, in you know, out of respect for Victor Cruz, but he has been imitating it before. So, I mean, there's a lot going into this game right now and the Giants are locked up in a tie with Philadelphia at the top of that NFC East at three and two. So this is going to have some implications. Philadelphia is playing Detroit. So that game could go either way. The Giants... Um, Eric Malo said it. They need a win because you don't know. If nothing's a short sure bet going forward. You play Washington, yeah, and they've surprised the times stretch. this year. They
2: have a tough stretch yeah, coming Pittsburgh,
1: up Pittsburgh. Da- Dallas could even be a – Dallas uh, beat them early or, yeah, on. Yeah, beat them week first, one. first game. Yeah. Green Bay. New- I mean, there are a lot of teams upcoming on this schedule, so they could really use a win to get this tough stretch rolling.
2: Well, I think another key to the Giants' game plan is going to be the running attack. Last week we saw Maud Bradshaw – He ran for 30 carries, 200 yards, and he averaged 6.7 yards a carry. Granted, it's against the Browns, but it'll get you going. I mean, that kind of momentum should carry on to the next week, this week against uh, the Niners. Yeah, even David Wilson had a big run in that game. Everyone's getting in on it.
1: 200 200 yards from uh, Bradshaw. In his second game back, and you got to be happy about. And that. I would
2: even argue that when the Giants get a good running game like they had last week, they are probably one of the most dangerous offenses in all of football.
1: Yeah, and they they had fourteen rushing first downs. Yeah. That shows it right there. And this is from one of the league's top passing passing offenses. They had more first downs rushing than they did passing. So if they continue that, so San Francisco is a great team against the pass and against the rush. But if you have to pick one one area. And it's funny because they only allow 81 yards rushing per game. It's going to have to be rushing that you want to attack him, So we'll see about that. Eli also an elite quarterback, as everyone loves to talk and- about. So this is going to be a time where he needs to be elite. He can't be playing like he did against the Buccaneers throwing – picks early on in the game and then come back later because yeah. these Niners are going to be pounding totally it all game team. with Gore and Hunter.
2: Well, yeah, that's the big knock on Eli. He can he can get you there in the fourth quarter, but the problem is getting up to that point. If he struggles early on in this game and digs the Giants into a hole, they're going to be in deep trouble. They're not playing against the Bucks. They're not playing the Browns like they did last week down 14-0. They're not going to be able to come back as easily.
1: Now, Brandon Jacobs, I, I have a question for you. He's Probable on the injury report. He's been hurt. Do you really think that he is just not less than 100 percent? But he wants to come back against these Giants. And I think, I think the 49ers will give Brandon Jacobs a couple of carries. You know, especially because you got two a couple speed backs in Gore and Hunter. Gore really does it all. He's a really a power and speed back. He has he has two capabilities there. But I think they might have put they might put Jacobs in there to bruise that line a little bit.
2: Well, granted, he said that he left the Giants on good terms. But let's be honest. He he wasn't happy with how he left there. He he wanted a big contract. The Giants weren't going to give it to him, so he went to San Francisco. I think he has an incentive to run hard this week, and I I think the Niners might give it to him. He was the man in
1: New York. He was. The, they were billboards of him. He was the man. He was the running back. He was probably the best football player in New York years ago. And now look at him. Well, and like yeah. he comes, now Bradshaw to change, comes in and huh? takes and takes the job from him. And I mean, I think. He had to get out of New York, and but right now he's it was, kinda Brian Westbrook it was kind of Brian Westbrook's status right
2: now. It was just dreadful watching him run the ball in the regular season last year, though. I mean, as a Giants fan, it just looked like he would always try to break it outside like a speed back. The guy's like 264 pounds. What are you doing running outside? Run up the middle. Knock some well, guys he, over. I,
1: no, two years ago wasn't as bad. as I thought last year he played all right. He started to go up the middle, knock some guys over, but... I mean, well, when, in
2: the playoffs, when it really mattered, that's that's when he yeah. came. He showed but, up. But hey, I, I'll agree with it to we're you. We're talking then. about
1: Jacobs. I mentioned Manningham and Jacobs. Manningham is another guy who hasn't been getting a lot of receptions on the 49ers, so maybe he's starting to regret leaving New York. I mean, the New York couldn't pay him, but none, nonetheless, he was the hero of the Super Bowl last year, and right now, uh, you know. Crabtree's getting the targets. Vernon Davis is getting
2: the targets. Even Randy Moss. I mean, people forget Randy Moss is on that receiving core. Granted, he's not the deep Randy that he used to be with the Vikings or even the Patriots in 07, but he's still a formidable receiver for Alex Smith. I mean, they just have weapons across the board. And then you add... Frank Gore into that mix, it, it, it's a formidable offense.
1: Well, I, I mean, Randy Moss only has nine catches on, on the year. But, I mean, target-wise, it's really Davis and Crabtree getting it. Manningham's that third option. And on the Giants, and the Giants, for some reason, always seem to be plagued with injuries. He he was getting a decent amount of targets. He was, at times, the number two guy on that offense. Uh, You know, if Knicks or, or Cruz went out. And now you see Manningham, and he he's just – I don't think he's getting the amount of catches he expected – he's only averaging 9 point or about 10 yards per catch but nonetheless i mean i did mention nicks he's questionable uh, i think he plays in this game and they need him to play because they've been they've really been shuffling all these receivers and and hixon and yeah. randall yeah. and barden and they need some stability there they need nicks and they need him now i really think they do
2: well one of the things that we've been talking about all year with about the giants is their great depth at the wide receiver position and quite frankly it's being tested you know, Nix goes down early in the year. Uh, Barden, wh- he's concussed, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he's coming back in this this game this week. Uh, you know, they're going to have to have a lot of younger guys step up. Uh, a guy that comes to mind, Ruben Randall, uh, Jernigan. He's another guy. He has he's played a little bit, but you know, he expect him to get some more playing time this week. Uh, you know, I think I think you're right, Kenny. Nix definitely needs to come back in this game. Will he come back and be effective is a question that I don't know the answer to.
1: And and, and Barden is is probable for the game, so he'll probably get uh, a couple looks. Maybe he'll get some snaps in there. But it's interesting to see, Nick, that Hakeem Nix is third among receivers and targets, and he's hurt. And, and he hasn't been playing a lot. So that just shows you how much Eli likes to go to him, how much he likes to rely on him, and... Look, Victor Cruz is the flashy option here. Everyone loves Victor Cruz. Everyone loves the salsa. But Hakeem Nix is the number one wide receiver on this team. Oh, Let's no, not be mistaken. Yeah, no doubt about and, that. And, th- I mean, he has the hands. He has the talent. Sure, he doesn't have the breakaway speed that Cruz does, but it's not like he's a slow guy. I really think that Hakeem Nix could be a difference maker as soon as he comes back here. And I'm, I'm sure this I'm not is, alone.
2: This is his third week. He's, he's not played in yeah. the last three weeks. Yeah, so, so he,
1: he needs to come back.
2: I mean, if you look at the production of the Giants' offense— even without Knicks, as a team receiving-wise, I mean, they they did okay last week, but they were playing, as we said, they were playing the Browns. So, I mean, yeah, if Knicks isn't going to be in, that's a good week, I guess, to rest the guy. This week, they're playing a, a better opponent. You want to see your best guys in there. You know, is he going to come back, though? That's that's the question. That's do, how- do you have him winning this game? The Giants? Yeah. Uh I, I think it's going to be a close game, very similar to the NFC Championship game, a physical game, and you know what? I, I have a good feeling about this week, so I'm, I'm going to take the G-Men. I'm going to say 21-17, G-Men take it.
1: See, I was going to go Niners 31-21. I think they went by 10. The offense is too good for this Giants defense that's been struggling. Uh, you
2: know what? I, one thing I've learned over the years is don't count the Giants out. I mean, anytime they're predicted to be the underdog, which in this case they are, I I always got to take them.
1: Well, early early on in the season you can take them, you can talk, you can count them out. But late in the season you can't. I mean, the, the last year they were just average. They were so average throughout the whole year. And then last late in the year they hit, they just went on a good run and they they kept that momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah. It's not. It's not like they were spectacular last year, but nonetheless, I agree they are the Super Bowl champions.
2: This is this is a I think this is a test game for them, and they they're gonna take a chip. They have a chip on their shoulder about this week. People are counting them out, and they're going on a brutal stretch, and they really need this win, and I I think they're going to get it. Okay. All right. Julian
1: also, our producer, thinks that they are going to get it, and we have the Niners picked by Mike Watts, who is on the road, and uh, Mac is going with those Niners, I believe. So let's get to Julian's favorite team.
4: We'll toss that over to Joe Vidiello with that Jets report. In a surprising turn of events, Gang Green kept it close Monday night. They still lost 23-17, but they at least stayed in the game against one of the top teams in the league. I don't know how they did, as the offense continued to look abysmal, with Mark Sanchez throwing two interceptions and the ground game only providing 69 yards. The defense looked just as bad, allowing Arian Foster to rush for 152 yards, Antonio Cromartie and the Jets now look to build on their performance this week against the Colts.
3: I think we played the way we know we're capable of. Still got some, missed, uh, you know, things that we want to clean up, try to get better on, and just keep and continue to work. You know, uh, it's a game we fall hard back into. We, we missed miss a couple plays out on the field, you know, and I think uh, just going back and looking at it, no, I think we can play a whole lot better
4: too. After the Texans game, Rex Ryan defended his quarterback's play, but later in the week. In his most telling comments yet, Rex stated that Mark Sanchez is the quarterback for this week. Well, a lot of things can happen, and I'm not going to deal with what-ifs because you know, I, I'm telling you right now, he's our, he's our starting quarterback this week, you know, barring injury. Perhaps it's owner Woody Johnson pressuring Ryan to insert Tebow. Or possibly it's the fans who boo Sanchez when he throws an incomplete pass, yet cheer Tebow when he does the exact same thing. Or maybe it's just Sanchez's poor performance But one thing is for sure, if Sanchez continues to underperform, it won't be long before Gang Green calls Tebow's number. In fact, I can see them doing it this week if Sanchez throws up a stinker in the first half. That being said, I don't believe that will be the case, as I think Sanchez will have his best game of the season with his favorite target, Dustin Keller, eyeing a return. My prediction, Jets 24, Colts 13, covering the... I'm Joe Vadiello, WFUV Sports.
1: Thank you, Joe. And this week he is the Jets quarterback, Mark Sanchez. I think he's going to be the quarterback all
2: year. No, oh. no need to worry. Oh, my gosh. If I have to listen to another Jets controversy. Uh, honestly, yeah, okay, he's going to be the guy this week. Tebow's going to be the guy next week. Sanchez is again. Is he really? Who, who knows? Really? Who knows? I don't think Rex Ryan even knows. That's, that's how crazy this is. I mean... I think I was against the move in the, from the beginning to bring Tebow in. I think, in reality, this is what I think, and I know you're not going to agree with it as a Jets fan over there, but I think Sanchez and Tebow aren't the guy. I think the guy's number three, Greg McElroy, who's sitting on the bench. Even though I, I think he'll never see a snap in the gangrene uniform, I think he's the right guy for the option, though.
1: No, nope. uh, no, <laughs> T- Tebow is the right running back for this team. I agree. <laughs> and Mark right Sanchez is the right quarterback, honestly, and he was wear number fourteen. And so you can't give him. A, I, I personally would like him three on him better. I think it would suit him better. But <laughs> Tim Tebow, okay, they need to hand him the ball. They need to give him the ball to run, and he needs to get more snaps in there to play the Wildcat. It, and that's why I liked the move. He, that's
2: why I liked the move when they had it because is Tebow still the leading rusher. I, I just wanted. to. no, he's no, he's not,
1: but. <laughs> That's why I like the move in the first place, because the whole reason they brought in Tim Tebow was because you have to look at so many different options. You have to prepare for Tebow to throw. You have to prepare for Tebow to run. You have to prepare for Joe McKnight to run. And if they had Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez in the game at the same time, which they did two weeks ago against the Niners, and he was blocking pretty well, and that's that's not the reason I think he should be in there.
2: I, I but, just think they've been misusing him. I mean well, I see- what I'm
1: saying. you have to guard against so many different things if you have Sanchez, Tebow and a running back in the game at the same they, time. They that's just... why that's why that's what they should do. Because that's if if you can't beat defenses with your run or your pass, at least confuse them and maybe you'll have a chance. Well, that's have, all I'm trying to say. They
2: have him lined up as a wide re- I've seen I saw him playing wide receiver, they line him up at tight end, he's playing fullback. Like, what are they doing with this guy? He's a quarterback he's a football player. He's a quarterback.
1: He's a 250 pounds quarterback.
2: He shouldn't be playing wide receiver. I, I mean, they have him running routes for God's sakes. I mean, come on. You got to you got to line him up behind the center and let him throw the ball or let him run the ball, but don't come on. You, you they're lining him up at all these different spots for what reason? Like
1: I think it's foolish to talk about Tim Tebow to be the number one quarterback on this team. I, I, I like them. I, don't, why not? He's 250. He's a humongous specimen at quarterback. Why can't you put him anywhere else on the? Why can't you? I, well, why, why does he have to be limited to quarterback? That's what I'm saying. Why, why, why do you have a problem with him running the running the wildcat? You should run the wildcat more. But Snark Sanchez is your quarterback, and even Greg McElroy. But Tim Tebow is not your quarterback. He's not. I would pick McElroy. I, I I honestly like McElroy a little better throwing the ball. But you know Tim Tebow knows how to win games.
2: I th- I said I like McElroy better than both of them to be honest. But y- you're sticking with Sanchez though. You want Sanchez to be the guy. Okay.
1: Okay, Nick. You tell me. Besides, uh, he, he had a couple. Uh, routes misrun by his wide receivers on Monday night. So you got to give him at least two oh, or three incompletions. Off. two tip passes, which were one of them was on Jeff Cumberland. The other one, it, it's iffy. I think that was on Vladimir Ducasse doing a horrible job blocking. But nonetheless, eight bad throws, nine bad throws. What else did he do wrong on Monday night? What else? Can
2: I ask you this what, question? No, answer I'll, my question. I'll, what
1: I'll else, counter what your else question did he with do? Another You're question. not going to counter. You're going to tell me. What did he do wrong? What besides did he do that? wrong? What did he do wrong? Besides he didn't that? win the game. He had ball security. It's not his fault that he—that's what I'm saying. How can you blame him for what happened?
2: How can you blame Sanchez for what happened? Yes. They didn't win the game. He's so the quarterback of the game. So you can't blame Sanchez for
1: that. So you can't blame Sean Green for that. If Chris Johnson doesn't rush for 200 yards First and the Titans off, don't win, you are got to blame Chris team, Johnson for the game. You're it's not gonna a team blame Jake game,
2: Locker. Kenny. It's a team game.
1: It is. That's why you can't blame just one guy. You, you can't—he made good throws. Everyone on the... Now, Can, the Jets are listen, very generous when talking I'll, I'll be Sanchez. honest.
2: He played a better game on Monday night than a lot of people expected. I remember watching... Not me. ESPN. <laughs> well, I remember watching ESPN, and no one gave the Jets a chance.
1: Because they loved Tim Tebow, but that's another story. And the story. fact
2: that they were even in the game towards the end, 23-19, I believe. 23-17. 23-17. The fact that they were even in the game at the end is a credit to the Jets, that they played a better game than most people expected. Now... Granted, the question I have for you is, is T- is Sanchez the guy that will take the Jets to the next yes. level? Yes, yes. You think so?
1: Everyone in New York hated, hated with, with a passion Eli Manning in his first three years. He was garbage. The Giants were terrible. It was terrible that they even thought about acquiring this guy. Well. And, and now and now the same exact thing is having Mark Sanchez. He's going to be here for another couple of years. Tebow's going to be here for another couple of years. Tebow's going to be the running back on this team in some form, whether it's the Wildcat for 15 snaps, whether it's lining up and running. back. I don't know. But Mark Sanchez is going to be the quarterback. I think you have to face uh, the, you have to face I, that fact. They're not going to get rid of him. So. They're think, not going I to. They invested too much money. Getting, Merrick Mangini gave him to him as a gift, the sixth pick, and they drafted him. Ryan
2: is he's getting used to the idea of getting rid of Sanchez. He the way he said it this week. You it, you really
1: you really believe that? Yes, you're I, gonna, you're I, gonna I gonna actually be, I actually believe so, so that Sanchez is
2: on a tight leash.
1: Now I'm convinced that you and Joe Video will work for ESPN <laughs> with the interpretation that you made <laughs> towards that comment. I mean, it's ridiculous. Even if they, if they put Tim Tebow okay, in to start well, a whole game, is, everyone Kenny. in New York would realize how much they love Mark Sanchez. Kenny,
2: here it is. You, you, yeah, you talked about Eli Manning. E- Eli Manning, in his fourth year, won the Super Bowl. So if Mark Sanchez, in his fifth year, wins the Super Bowl, but here's what I'm saying: Eli was on a sh- Eli was on a tight leash. Everyone knew that Eli was was having trouble. And that if he didn't perform, he was going to be out of there. There was a lot of people calling for him to be replaced and for Tom Claflin to be replaced as well. Yep. Okay, there's that's fair. But Sanchez is now in the fourth in his fourth year, and the difference is he's not improving. Eli Manning had improvement towards the end of his even early on in his career. He was he would come back in the fourth quarter. I, see, I disagree. See, Sanchez, I don't I don't see that happening.
1: Look at what happened. Okay. This, this falls on Mike Tannenbaum, this whole this whole, this whole controversy, because Mark Sanchez literally has no continuity with this. Who does he have any continuity with at receiver? Jeremy Curley is the only guy who's played games with him besides Dustin Keller. Dustin Keller is out with a hamstring injury. Everyone's out with a hamstring injury. That's another story. But here's
2: my thing. If you're a good quarterback, you make the players around you better. Todd
1: Gates looked like a star out there look to at, Mark Sanchez. Look at Tom Doug Brady. Cumberland caught a touchdown pass. I mean, him. you he you can't ask him to do any more than he did. That's what I'm saying. He did all he could. Sean Green couldn't run for – if someone paid him $100 per yard, Sean Green would still be broke right now. I can't imagine uh, – you know, what was going on in that Jets organization when they decided that they weren't going to make any moves at offensive line? They were going to keep Wayne Hunter. They were going to keep Matt Slawson and Vlad Dukas. They weren't going to bring in a, They were going to draft Hill. They weren't going to bring in a wide receiver. Even at this point in time, bring in T.O., bring in Chad Johnson. This the, the season is almost lost at this point. You need a wide receiver. It doesn't make any sense. That the decisions they made over the off season. I liked the Tebow move. I really did. And uh, after that, see, they I, went silent. But I'm telling you, move, I'm telling you, at right tackle, they had they had Wayne Hunter, and they thought that oh, let's extend this guy and maybe he'll improve. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Vlad Ducos shouldn't be on the roster. After, I'm saying next year, a couple more pieces, another wide receiver, and the Jets are going to be real good.
2: See, I think the Tebow move was a bad move in that. Yeah, you got a young quarterback in Sanchez, and you're telling him, "Yeah, you're our guy, you're our guy." And then they go and get a quarterback. Now, what does that do for a guy's confidence? I mean, Sanchez could say, "Yeah, yeah, I like Tebow. I'm I'm so glad that he's here. All that. Yeah." But in reality, he's not. We all know it. You could see it in his face. He he doesn't want Tebow there. Right. So he's
1: gonna. So it's a good move because he's gonna want to improve and and overcome. In most cases it would,
2: but I the way I look at it is it's just flustering Sanchez. He's not he's not the type of guy that'll that'll say, "Okay, there's competition here, let me rise to the occasion." He's the type of guy that says, "Oh, I'm kind of rattled now." Yeah,
1: so you don't you don't win two AFC Championship games by not rising to the occasion. They didn't win the AFC Championship or, sorry, games. AFC Divisional rounds. He get not, you? They got to right, the 2 AFC. Well, you championship want to talk
2: games. about that. The first year Sanchez was not a game player. Uh, he, he, he was a manager, and you know he it. Threw that yard, defense, he threw about a that 70 yards. is what got him there that year. threw about year.
1: a 70-yard touchdown pass to Braylon Edwards to beat the Colts. It, it, it almost beat the Colts. It, they were up at halftime in it, that AFC Championship game. It was game. the
2: defense that got him there that year.
1: And speaking of the Colts and, and the running game, speaking of the Colts, they're upcoming this week, and Do- Donald Brown is out, and the Jets hate defending the run. They can't defend the run for anything, the Jets. They're, tw- they're 25th in the league. So for that reason... I think the Jets can win this game. I really do, because the running attack has killed them. Their passing defense, not that bad.
2: Well, I think the Jets can win the game. The question is, will they? And I, I don't think they will. I I was really impressed with uh, Andrew Luck's ability last week, leading the Colts back against the Packers.
1: We're talking about the fifth best passing defense in the league in the New York Jets. No, no, the last rushing defense. I said 25th. I'm reading their offensive numbers. They're the fifth best pass defense in the league, and the only thing the the, the Colts have is the pass. So they're just going to sit back and they're going to wait for Andrew Luck to throw it right into Antonio Cromartie's hands. Were those standings
2: hands. with Darrelle Revis or without him? Darrelle Revis was in the updated. game for
1: I, I believe. Yeah, so the, they're up. the fifth ranked defense. Yes, without Yes, they, they, all, they allow under two hundred passing yards per game. Okay, Revis was in all that. Right. Revis is, was hurt, I believe, in week two or week three. It's not, it, it doesn't make, he didn't make that much of a difference.
2: Even so, I, I, I'm I. taking the Colts in this week. I, I think uh, Andrew Luck is really starting to get into a rhythm. You know, he's got the good coaching staff behind him. And uh, I, I just don't see the offensive production. You really
1: think Andrew Luck? Without Donald Brown, with just a one-sided attack, is going to beat the Jets.
2: Yes, you really I do. do. Okay. Yep. All right. So what's your score? I take Andrew Luck over Sanchez. Is what I'm saying. I I honestly don't see the Jets scoring.
1: Well, I think a lot of people would take Andrew Luck over Sanchez.
2: Yeah. So that's. So what's, what's the, the score? 24-10.
1: 24-10. and Joe McKnight, I'm assuming, is going to run the back, the touchdown, in your mind. Uh, I got the Jets winning this game. I'm gonna say it is 28, no, 31 to 24. I think the Jets are gonna pull it out. It's gonna be tight, but again, they're gonna come through the air. Those touchdowns, they're they're sorry, through the ground. They're gonna have to come for the Indianapolis Colts. Jets, 199 yards allowed per game. But that's about it for our Jets talk. We gotta we gotta move on. Oh, sorry, the Julian Adienza bracket here. He's got the Jets coming out in, in the, and winning the game, so it's going to be interesting. We go to Mac. Uh, Mac has picked the Jets, and Mike has also picked the Jets, so in the minority here is Nikola Legereful. But let's move on, and Matt, Slauson, Matt Slauson's not going to be on his team in this game, and that is because he blocked Brian Cushing and injured him. So Brian Cushing is out now for the Houston Texans. Are they still this offensive juggernaut in the AFC that we were talking about? I think they definitely are. They have Watt is going to be the leader of that defense, but Cushing out hurts.
2: That, I mean, that's a big loss, Cushing, no doubt. But are they still a good contender? Is that is that the question? I think yes, they still they still are a contender, and I I still think they're the favorite to win the AFC at least in the regular season.
1: Do you think so? Do you think they're gonna they're gonna win the uh, the the AFC North? You're saying oh the they, South? You're gonna lock sorry South? Yeah. I'm all over the place. Oh today. yeah,
2: I I could see them winning that easily. I mean, you got. Jacksonville in there, uh, who else? Tennessee, they won Indy. last night. And, Indy, who you
1: think so good.
2: And Indy. Well, I, I think I, I like Indy, but uh, no, I just don't see them beating Houston. I th- I see Houston running away with that division. Well, H- Houston has an
1: interesting schedule ahead of them because they got Green Bay and Baltimore, and then later on they have a stretch where they have Detroit, Tennessee, New England, and Indy, Minnesota, Indy. So towards the end of the season, it doesn't get tough. It doesn't get easy for the Texans, so they're going to – Really have to prove that they well, are
2: this good team. Well, this week is not gonna get easy for them either. I mean, Green Bay, granted, they're two and three, but they should really be three and two with that controversial call in Seattle. Uh I think they're gonna that's gonna be a huge test for Houston this week. You know, there's two teams, Houston and Atlanta, that come into the the season, they're pretty hot right now. They're still undefeated. The big question is, are they for real? And I think this week, if they can win this week in Lambeau, which they're they're playing in Lambeau, correct? Yeah. If no, they... sorry, they're playing at home. Oh, they're playing at home. Okay, well, if they can beat Green Bay, I think it goes a long way for for saying that they are for real and that they, they are a legit contender.
1: Yeah, on Sunday night, Arian Foster loves to run all over defenses like the Green Bay Packers. I, I think that they're probably better suited defending the pass. And Andre Johnson... Even Antonio Cromartie showed it. Andre Johnson can be shut down. Uh, but the Packers defensively, uh, they're, they're, they are averaging um, a, a, opponents. They're holding them to 114 yards on the ground and 230 yards through the air. So I think that the Texans offense is going to obviously exceed those numbers. But the, the defense isn't terrible for the Packers. It's really got to come up down to Aaron Rodgers. Because what is Aaron Rodgers doing right now? I mean, he's averaging 240 yards a game. That's not good.
2: That's not Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, he's he's been having he's got a target on his back this year, uh, you know. So I I think it's it's always harder to to come back when people when people know about you. I, I always say the big test is to still have success when people know about you. You're no longer a secret. So I think he's feeling that this year. But will he come back? Will he bounce back? That's going to be the question that we'll we'll look for.
1: Their division, Nick. They're two and three. They're third place in the NFC North. They got Detroit at one and three right behind them. They have Chicago and Minnesota ahead of them at and, four and one,
2: and Detroit. I think is is definitely underperforming. Better from than what the they, record, yeah, definitely underperforming. And, and they they played a couple of close games. Uh, they had San Francisco earlier in the season, and uh, they played the Vikings already this year, who who have been the surprise team in the in the NFC North. I don't think anyone saw them in the position that they are in now.
1: Yeah, I believe they also lost to the Titans, and that was on a well. Well, Matt Stafford got knocked out of that game. Which uh you know which was not beneficial at all for yeah. uh, for the Lions and Matt Stafford in my opinion really has to step it up a- as a quarterback. He, s- yeah, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I- well, he he's got he he is basically he was a budding elite quarterback in a lot of people's minds. Oh yes, yeah. And and this year really hasn't done them a lot of favors. When you look at St. Louis starting off, he had three picks, 355 yards. Uh, at Tennessee, was 278 for a touchdown, and then he got hurt. And in Minnesota, he threw for 319, but no touchdowns. I mean, uh, I don't know. He's got three passing touchdowns on the year. And you talk about Aaron Rodgers not being Aaron Rodgers. He still has 10. So Stafford's got to pick it up.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and you could look at a guy like Megatron, who hasn't really been having a uh, Calvin Johnson, who really hasn't been having that great of a year. So You know, you know he's he's got to have some help from his wide receivers. Um, but I think I still think the team that's – the team to beat in the a- the NFC North is uh, Chicago. Uh, granted, I, they lost to Green Bay earlier in the season, but I, I've been really impressed with that defense that they have over there. And, you know, if Jay Cutler can can get the ball to Brandon Marshall, if that, def- that offensive line can hold up for him, I think they're going to be a really dangerous ah, see, team. I, see, I disagree with you there. I Now, Brent, everyone loves
1: to hate on Jay Cutler, so I, and I don't. So I think Chicago is for real. But how about the Minnesota Vikings, Nick? The Minnesota Vikings are turning a lot of heads right now. Now, they, they beat San Francisco. The only loss they had was to Indy. They also did beat Detroit. But, hey, Tennessee, we've, we showed them give the Steelers a tough time last night. You got upcoming on the schedule, Tampa Bay is in there, Seattle, and then a couple big divisional games with Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, Chicago, Green Bay end the season. I think that this team has the potential. Look at the weapons they have. Christian Ponder's playing very well this year. Adrian Peterson always is going to give you a good game. Percy Harvin has been getting touches like crazy. They're, they're finally realizing, Nick, the Vikings are finally realizing they need to give Percy Harvin the ball in any way they can. Throwing screen passes, they're handing it off to him, they're throwing it to him deep downfield. He is an, an amazing offensive weapon. And the running game right now being helped with Matt Khalil at offensive tackle, he's really helping out this year. And I think that the Vikings are playoff bound.
2: Oh wow! I'm gonna it say it. I'm gonna All say right. it. I like, I like it. I, this I, team. I think you. I think you might be right. Actually, I, I think I tend to agree with you. Uh, you know, they have a pretty good defense. Uh, Percy Harvin, a great offensive weapon, and. Christian Ponder has been having himself a nice little season. I think he was one of the more underrated quarterbacks in his draft class, and you know he's just he wasn't a really flashy guy. He's not like the RG threes or the Cam Newtons of the world. He's he's just more of a you know go to work, do your stuff, and then come home kind of guy. And I I think he's been doing a nice job out in Minnesota. You thought about pretty good defense, sixth best uh, rushing defense
1: in the league, and, and I thought. This year, not just not just Christian Ponder, but Jake Locker. I thought both of those guys were going to have pretty good years. Two young quarterbacks who have a lot of zip on their passes, and are very mobile. They can run, and Ponder's really taken off this year. I've been very impressed with him. Six touchdowns on the year, um, a total of one oh nine for one fifty eight. So I mean, he, he's done pretty well. But I mean, I talked about Percy Harvin before, and you can't say enough about the job he does on a, on a weekly basis. He's people who play fantasy football and we'll get Steven here in a little bit they really understand how good Percy Harvin is now that he's finally uh playing a lot and then you add you had Adrian Peterson into that mix and I, I don't really see what else you need you just need a little bit of momentum and they have it
2: yeah definitely uh well they they're in first place in their division right now and uh they don't play another division opponent for a little while um yeah so you know they can just they keep can the good time them. rolling and you know green bay green bay green bay's playing a tough team this week you know um chicago chicago's playing e- every week's a tough week for chicago
1: yeah well well who the vikings have coming up this week is the washington redskins <laughs> a, very, and, and, a very
2: winnable game Yeah. Like.
1: and now i want to touch on the redskins a little bit here because rg3 was can cut i had a mild concussion in the, in last week's game and Immediately started practicing again. I was very shocked to see that because he took a lick and he was back in practice right away. I think this is going to affect him in this game. I well, really do. I mean, people don't understand, you know, people don't really like to think that concussions can affect football players because they're football. I mean, I really don't think that people read too much into this, but his decision making could be affected in this game.
2: Well, you know, football players never want to be out of any games. They always want to be tough. They always want to ha- say that they're not heard when they are. But, you know, we're going to see if RG3 is for real this week. You know, he's he's facing some adversity for the first time in his career, his short-lived career. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what he can do.
1: I think RG3, if you talk about RG3 versus Andrew Luck, I personally think that Luck's going to be the more consistent guy this year. RG3 is going to give you a lot of a lot of ups and downs, at least in his rookie year. He's going to be very flashy and then, He'll have a couple bad games where he, well, he turns the ball over. But, he, I mean, you can't knock his work ethic at all.
2: He had that great breakout game against the Saints. That's what really got us all attracted to him and saying, hey, we, we got a player here. And uh, But I, I, I do tend to agree with you. Um, it's the kind of guys that are the traditional quarterbacks that are most successful in this league. I, I mean, you look around the league, you know, Tom Brady, Eli Manning. Peyton Manning, they're all the traditional pocket passers, and those are probably top three in the league right there.
1: And and Locke's about to get that done, and he's getting that time in the pocket, so it's going to be interesting to see. And even if he has a good week against the Jets, if he can carry some momentum forward and and win Rookie of the Year, but who knows, maybe Steve knows, we can get to some
0: fantasy football. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week, plus stardom or sit-em to help you win your league?
1: And Steve, some crazy injuries here. we got Brady Quinn starting a game, Matt Cassel's out. Let's start with quarterbacks and stardom sit him. Maybe Brady Quinn makes an appearance.
5: Well, I don't have Brady Quinn on my list, but for stardom, I would go with Michael Vick this week. Obviously, he's a household name unlike Brady Quinn, but he got off to a rough start this year, and I think this week his Eagles are poised to break out against the Lions. The Lions have looked lost on both sides of the ball, and their defense hasn't been very good. They've allowed Alex Smith and Jake Lockler to reach at least 21 points against him so far. So I expect Vic to get back on track this week. Yeah, hopefully
1: he does for a lot of fantasy owners because I know at least in a couple of leagues I'm in, a lot of people drafted him high and expected him to have a good week. But I, I, the reason I mentioned Quinn was because simply the quarterback pool in fantasy leagues is usually pretty shallow. People might have to reach somewhere like that. And another pool that's really shallow nowadays is running backs. Now, Alex Green is, is going to be active, and he's listed as the number one running back on the Green Bay Packers depth chart. Moving over to running backs, what do you say
5: about Alex Green? Well, with Cedric, with Cedric Benson out now, he's gonna, Alex Green is going to get a lot of touches. But the Green Bay offense is segmented around Aaron Rodgers and the passing attack. So I think they're going to try to open things up more in the next few weeks. But I do think Green a viable option to pick up, and he will, be, will produce points going forward. But in terms of quarterbacks, I, I do not, another option for this week that I like is Andrew Luck against the Jets. Obviously, you guys have been talking a lot of Jets and Andrew Luck, and I think this week he'll have another good week. Even though Rex Ryan's Jets are known for their defense, without Darrell Revis, their shutdown defense isn't nearly the same. Luck's been hot of late with at least 22 points in his last three games fantasy-wise with multiple touchdowns in each of those. I expect him to build off the Green Bay victory last week and put up another strong performance.
1: So even with the, the fifth-best passing defense, you're still going to go with him?
5: Yeah, uh, that's I just my think, guy. <laughs> I just think Luck is showing that he is, you know, the number one quarterback for a reason. And Andrew Luck is a good quarterback in this league. He's shown that, and I think this Jets defense has shown they are not the same anymore. I'm not saying the Colts are going to win and put up 30 points, but I think Luck will once again have a solid performance.
2: I ca- I tend to agree with you, man. I I think that without Darrell Revis, that defense is not the same. And we saw how Andrew Luck performed last week against the Packers defense, leading the t- leading his team back into that game and to a victory eventually. So I, I tend to agree with you. Well, I think he's going to have a big week.
1: Matt Schaub was, was had 209 yards, a touchdown interception. I mean, that's not a great week. Last week against the Jets defense without, without Revis. So I don't know. I mean, but anyway, uh, to get you back on track with the running backs here, who else you got?
5: Well, I, I want to touch upon some quarterbacks that actually sit. This week, there's one quarterback I would definitely avoid. is Carson Palmer against the Falcons. The undefeated Falcons have only allowed one quarterback to throw for multiple touchdowns against them, and that was Cam Newton. Over the last few weeks, their stout defense has shut down Peyton Manning, Robert Griffin, and Phillip Rivers, so expect Palmer to deliver a dud. So how
1: about about running
5: back-wise? Because Carson Palmer, uh, I
1: think a lot of people would probably be sitting him this week, hopefully at least. Who you got running backs?
5: Well, running back for starters, I have Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis in this week against the Browns. Like I also believe that Andy Dalton, his quarterback, will struggle this week against Cleveland. So I think Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis will get more opportunities on the ground, and maybe he'll find Pater. Their run defense was tore apart by Matt Bradshaw last week, and I think Green-Ellis will have a good game against Cleveland this week.
2: See, Steve, I actually have a question for you. I have, I have a little bit of a running back situation on my own fantasy team. Uh, Willis McGahee or C.J. Spiller? What what would you think?
5: Well, I like I like Willis McGahee honestly. Uh, Willis McGahee has done fairly well so far this season in his five games, and Denver is on the rise. Denver could use a win this this week. It's not an easy game with San Diego, but Willis McGahee will get plenty of touches, and I'm sure he might run for eighty, eighty, ninety yards this week. So I, I would probably start McGahee there.
1: Yeah, I, I like McGahee too uh, in that one, but. Uh, James Starks. Okay, now he was a guy in Green Bay last year. He produced a lot. Only owned an eight percent of fantasy leagues. Now he he did he is number two on the depth chart. Do you think he can leap to number one, get more carries as the season goes on? Because he is that veteran. He has that experience running for the Packers.
5: Well, well, the head coach Mike McCarthy said that James Starks will not be the number one back this week. That will belong to Alex Green. But with Cedric Benson out for for a long period of time, I do expect Starks to slowly build his build up and earn his way into the starting lineup. I think James Starks is a solid option if he's available in your league to pick up and stash him because I think as the weeks go on, he'll be seeing more and more playing time because, as like you said, he's the veteran running back of that corpse right now.
1: Yes, yeah, so a, lot, a lot of people missing out on Alex Green, that he was a popular waiver wire pickup. So Steve says if you didn't get him, go get James Starks. How about some wide receivers? Start him, sit him.
5: Well, for wide receivers... As I said earlier, I like Michael Vick this week, and I think he'll be helped out by Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin's been hurt all year long, but he's finally healthy, and I think he'll benefit from Vick having a good outing. Also, Philly's playing not the best passing defense with Detroit Lions, who look lost defensively, and I think Macklin and Vick will both break out this week. And also a wide receiver, I like Malcolm Floyd of the Chargers against the Broncos. He already has three games with at least 10 fantasy points and a history of doing well against Denver. I expect Philip Rivers to look for him early and often.
1: So you you think that Deshaun Jackson has a worse game than Macklin here?
5: I'm not saying Jackson's going to have a worse game, but Jackson's kind of automatic start in the majority of the leagues, and I think Jeremy Macklin okay. owners have had on the bench for the last few weeks because of the injury, the hip problems. So I would start, I would get Jeremy Macklin back in those starting lineups. Okay. So they, They're yeah.
2: saying that he's he's going to be ready to go this week.
5: Yeah, he'll be he'll be ready to go, and he'll be playing. And I'm sure against Detroit, he'll he'll, he'll be a pretty big performance. Now you got any guys on the waiver wire
1: here at either at running back or wide receiver because there is that flex position in most leagues that people could go pick up. Uh you know, if you need a little bit of help on a bye week, somebody uh you know, like even a Daniel Thomas who's questionable anybody.
5: Well, like you guys were talking about earlier the Jets and the Colts. I like Colts running back Vic Ballard. Even though he's not a household name, with starting tailback Donald Brown being out for a few weeks, he'll be getting plenty of touches this week against the Jets and going forward the next few weeks as Brown sits. The Jet defense hasn't proven to be able to stop the run game. They're ranked 25th in the run game. So that that's a huge difference from the years past. And I think Ballard's a f- fantasy option this week already.
1: So tight end-wise now, we'll move on here. Uh, a, a lot of interesting matchups against uh, against opposing tight ends this week. But who, who do you
5: think has the best matchup? Who are you going to start? Who are you going to sit? Well, One name that comes to mind is Dustin Keller. A lot of, he's, a, he's a free agent in many leagues now because he hasn't played a game yet. But Dustin Keller finally expects to be back this week against the Colts. I look for Mark Sanchez to look for him. Keller is the lone receiver that Sanchez has any familiarity with as he's throwing to Clyde Gates, Conrad Rulin, <laughs> Jason Hill, guys that he has very little history with. And I think with Keller on the field, Sanchez is going to look to him because he knows Keller, and Keller's a, Keller could produce in the slot at the tight end. So he's very, he's very versatile, and I, I would like Dustin Keller this week coming back.
2: So you you like Dustin Keller, but what do you think of a guy like uh, Jason Witten, for instance? Would would you start him or sit him? Because I, I I've been having him in my fantasy league, but he's been flip floppy. He, he puts up good numbers one week, then net, the next week he's not so good. What what would you think?
5: Well, Jason Witten's an interesting, uh, interesting, interesting tight end. Uh, he obviously was a Pro Bowler many multiple times in Dallas, but the Dallas offense is so high powered and has so many options. He's not the main centerpiece of that offense anymore that offense revolves around Romo and Des Bryant and DeMarco Murray so he hasn't seen the ball as much but this week I would probably sit him especially because the Cowboys are playing the Baltimore Ravens the Ravens have wanted a better I mean their defense hasn't been the same with Terrell Suggs but they do have a good linebacking corps still with Ray Lewis there and I think Witten is iffy most weeks because of the injury history he's had this year and because of the amount of options Dallas has and I would definitely stay away from Jason Wynn this week specifically.
1: I'll put you on the spot here. Ke- uh, Kyle Rudolph has a very good matchup against the uh, the Washington Redskins who have allowed the most points to tight ends this year. Does he continue this hot streak? Is he
5: a guy you need to go out and trade for if necessary? I don't know about trade for because, like I said earlier, a guy like Dustin Keller is sitting on most most most, most, most leagues as a free agent. So. And I like
1: that pick, by the way. I think he's going to have a good game.
5: No, yeah. So I think that there's other options in terms of instead of trading – but I think uh, Randolph is a good option this week against the Redskins, as you said. He's he's shown that he could play, and the Redskin defense isn't one of the better ones in the league. So I, I would keep scouring the waiver wire because there are guys like Keller and running back Vic Ballard that are out there that are sitting there for guys to pick up. Alex Green, like we said before, so I would I would look for the I would look to the waiver wire if I'm an owner, and I would check the injury report to see who's
0: who's going to have a good week and who may not.
5: All right, well, thanks for the update, Steve. And now we are going to go to
1: everyone's favorite segment, The Picks.
0: Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions.
1: All right, we'll start it off here with the local games, and we got the Giants and the 49ers up first. I got the 49ers in this one, as I said before. 31-21, Nick, what you got?
2: Yeah, I'm taking the Giants,
5: 21-17. I got the Giants, 24-14.
1: And the J-Man, Julian Adianza, he has the Giants, so going to be interesting to see if those Giants win. you got two for the Giants. And Mac and Mike on the road, both picking those 49ers. Moving on here, the other New York team, the New York Jets, playing the Indianapolis Colts. I got the Jets
5: in this one. You have the Colts?
2: Yeah, I think 24-10 is what I said. Yeah, that's what
5: I'll stick with. Not going to be an easy game. It would be pretty close, but I like the Jets.
2: And
1: Mac from the road once again. I'm oh, sorry, J- uh, Julian, he's got those Jets. always loves to pick the Jets and Mike, I believe, took the Jets, so did Max. So we'll move on here. We'll go to the Cowboys and Ravens. i got to pick the Cowboys in this one because the Ravens' run defense has not been good at all.
2: Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Ravens on this one. Um, I just know the Cowboys too well being a Giants fan. I I don't think Romo is going to step up to the pressure. I see the defense swallowing him up all day long. I'm taking the Ravens, 27-17. And
1: Mike Watts picks the Ravens, and uh, the uh, sorry, uh, Mac Rosenberg actually didn't pick this game. So let's see what he picks. The next episode, Uh, who you got, Steve? I like Dallas on the road in in in, uh, Baltimore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the line with that one. All right, and Julian also picking the Ravens. So. A lot of Ravens there. I'm going to go with the Cowboys, though, and I'm not in the standings, so nothing to risk. Vikings and the Redskins. I like the Vikings in this
5: one. They're one of the best upstart teams. Nick?
2: Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings 27-10. That's what I'll go with.
5: Redskins at home, putting a little damper on Minnesota's early, early uh, success.
1: Julian's got the Vikings. Mac has the Redskins, and Watts also has the Vikings. So a little bit of love for the Vikings, at least I'm not alone here. Moving on, we got the San Diego. Julian said classy San Diego is going to win this one. I like it, Julian. They're playing the Broncos. Unfortunately, I got to take the Broncos.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the Broncos too. Peyton Manning, Willis McGahee. I like that offense. Broncos win it. I like
1: the Broncos as well. Mike and uh, Mike and Mac also have the Broncos in that one. So Julian all alone there with the Chargers. And finally, the Toilet Bowl, Chiefs and Bucks. Watts adds, oh, Romeo. He goes with the Chiefs. Max got the Bucks. I got to go with the Chiefs in this one. I love Jamal Charles.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Green Bay over Houston, actually. That, well, that's your upset. Yeah. But the Toilet Bowl, the Chiefs and the Bucks. Chiefs and the Bucks? Uh, let me see here. I- I'm going to go with the Bucks, actually. I, I think they their defense is going to play better this week, and um, I- I'm taking them.
5: Going to go with the Chiefs here. I, I just can't see Tampa Bay winning this game, Josh Freeman.
1: And Julian also says KC will take it. And uh, once again, oh, let's reiterate, O-Romeo. Oh, All right, upset time. Mike Watts has St. Louis over Miami, even though St. Louis has a better record. So uh, I guess he doesn't really like Mac liking the Rams. So I guess that's a little zinger right there. And then the Chiefs, uh, or excuse me, Mac Rosenberg with the upset. He likes Green Bay to win as well, and you, and you said you like yeah, that yeah. one. I was going to pick Detroit as my upset. That's what Julian took. He has Detroit over Philly. I'll go with the Raiders over the Falcons. I like that one, Steve. Upset.
5: doesn't sound like much of an upset, but I like Dallas over Baltimore, like I said.
1: I like that one, too. I, I think that's a good way to go, and it's going there are going to be a lot of interesting games this week. But that will wrap it up for our picks, and we got Mike and Mac from the road still dedicated uh, participants in this and we'll go look a quick look at the standings that steve's just stole from me mike up 22 10 he was 7 and 0 last week through week 5 nick 19 and 13 julian 19 and 12 mac 17 and 15 but for nick leggerfo steve seminary julian adienza the producer i'm kenny Ducey. enjoy some football this weekend
0: this has been one-on-one's nfl friday Only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.